You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. I got something I want to talk about to you. Welcome to Communication Mixdown, and a big thank you to the Climate Action Collective for another great show. Always such good work they do. I'm Judith Peppard, hosting Communication Mixdown today, and we are in December. Hard to believe. I begin by acknowledging that 3CR is broadcasting from the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri and Bunurong people of the Kulin Nations, true owners and custodians of this land, and we pay our respects to elders, past, present, and emerging, and to First Nations peoples who may be listening. Today on Communication Mixdown, we'll be hearing about a new book published by the Asylum Seeker Resource Center, or ASRC as it's often known, and Black Ink Books. It was released just over a week ago now and is called Seeking Asylum, Our Stories and it presents the stories of 23 people who have lived the experience of seeking asylum in Australia. The stories are rich and varied. Everyone's story is different. And we hear from people at varying stages of the asylum-seeking process. This is my story. This is my story. In my world. In my voice. We are not a headline, a statistic, or a slogan. We are human beings. It is time for Australia to hear our voice. And today on Communication Mixdown, we're going to hear one of those stories. My guest is Gofran al-Nasiri, a woman whose family was forced to leave Iraq during Saddam Hussein's rule. Gofran joined me on the phone last Wednesday to tell me more about her story, and I began by asking her about her childhood in Iraq and her time in primary school. I loved going to the school. I was so excited. Active child, I was participated in all the events. When I was a child, my dream was to be a doctor. I have passion for this dream, despite I cannot see people who suffer. I cannot see blood, and until now, the only thing I thought, like, I want to be a doctor because I love helping people. I have passion to helping people who struggle, who suffer. Maybe because I saw lots of doctors who were capable, who had the power to help others and to contribute to the community. So all of these inspire me, like, I want to be a doctor. That's what is making, shaping this a dream in my head. Yes, and I love that you want to be a doctor even though you're a bit nervous about blood. Yes, and I can't. And, you know, as be a doctor, you need to be, you know how you do uh, infected mice, so you're doing all of this stuff, and I can't yes. do all of this. 
<laughs> yes, but still you dreamed. Still you dreamed when you were a yeah. little girl that that's what you wanted to do. But even then, even in your primary school days, there was fear. Why was that? When we were in Iraq, we don't have the freedom to say something against, like, you know, the government. All the people in my family, they rejected to be part of the war to kill, like, innocent people. And they escaped from being army. So that's what affected our life. And even I lost my childhood. I was a child, but I'm aware of the things happening. And I'm listening to my family. So once uh, there was a big child for Saddam Hussein in my book, and I was like, you know, as a child, I'm drawing on the picture, and I made a hole on his eyes. And at that time, by doing this, you could lose all of your family. You could lose your life. Uh, you could be executed. Even the whole family, not just the person who did it, because then they would say, okay, you're, from where you learned that as a child, is it your mom, your dad, your uncle? So they can take the whole family. It could be disappeared by doing just simple as that. So I'm a Shiri, but in Iraq, we don't have this diverge a lot. So people living together, we didn't have like what type of Muslim you are. But all people were suffer in, in Iraq. Anyone who criticized the government, it didn't matter very much your religious background. Yes, you have to follow the government. Otherwise, you will be executed and you will lose your life. Yeah, so really frightening. And as you said, your family was against the war? Yes, against the war between Iran and Iraq at that time. And my dad, he escaped from the army. So then you had to leave. You ended up in Saudi Arabia. After the uprising against the government, people escaped and people were living on the border of Kuwait, the United Nations and America and the army over there. They've been a big decision made. So these people who escaped from Iraq, from different towns, to be collected and taken to the Saudi refugee camp. So how long were you in that camp? Uh, almost five years. And what was it like there? I mean, a lot of people in Australia would never have been to Saudi Arabia. What was it like? Look, it was a desert. It was very hard, like, you know, environment. Maybe the same thing we see from the other refugee camps, so when we see now on, on the TV, life was difficult. Uh, the shelter was uh, tent. Food was uh, brought for us by the Saudi Army and United Nations. It was very hot, no air conditioning. No one was lived in this desert before, so it was pulling with animals, so it was danger place to live in. You were there a while, and then school started. You could go to school, is that right? That's, I feel, the most important and perfect thing they did. It's open school for for kids, and how important I was so excited. And I remember until now when we were sitting there, and they told us, like, you know, we're going to school back again. Yeah, I can believe that. But I think you didn't tell the teacher the absolute truth about what year you were in. Yes, so when I left my country, I was in the middle year of grade 6. But you know how I love education? I have this mentality, you know, I don't want to lose, like, you know, anymore. So I didn't say, like, you know, I was in a grade 6, mid-year, that's when I left. But I said, like, you know, oh, let me start high school. And I was excited to be in high school. Wonderful. That's great. <laughs> yeah. If you've just joined us on Communication Mixed Down, I'm speaking with girlfriend Elna Siri 
whose story is included in Seeking Asylum, Our Stories, released by the Asylum Seeker Resource Center and Black Ink Books on November 30th. And we've heard how passionate Gofran is about education and how excited she was to begin high school at the refugee camp in Saudi Arabia. I asked her what happened after that. We moved to Iran. Right. That's me and, and, and my family. I stayed over there for like, you know, maybe three years or whatever. Then we came uh, to Australia. Yes, and I know from your story you came to Australia in 1999, and it was with your husband and your eight-month-old son. And then you went to live in Cobram, which is um, a rural town in Victoria. Uh, We have some family and friends live in Cobram, so we went over there straight forward to... And how did that feel? I mean, it must have been such a change from living living in Iran and in the camp. So how was it in Cobram? How did you feel there? It would be hard and difficult, especially my family, like, you know, my parents and my extended family, no one of them here. And I think that psychology is a problem, like people going up and down. So when they are arriving in new places, new language, that makes it difficult. And new people, new life, culture, you know, lonely. It was very difficult and hard in the first two years. And then what happened to make it better? To make it better, I'm a very active person. So I was from the women who participate in every event. One thing happened and changed my life. We want to show the part of the Muslim women, yeah? Yes. So we participated in events, and then we want to show the Muslim women what do we wear normal as other women. We bring the ladies in Cobram, so about 250 women. That time we invited them, and then to talk about our stories and to tell them how do we dress, what do we eat, and we give them more interaction with other people to change their perspective, you know, the Muslim women, and to get to help the community together. Yes, so cultural exchange, really, wasn't it? Yes, so it's culturally extended. Despite my English was not good at that time, there's a lady who is in charge with this event. So, for example, put my stories together, and then with me, I need to read this story, and I want to do, present it to the women. It's fully, like, by heart, yeah? So. Yes, I understand. You've been telling your story for a while then. Yes, and then to do all of this, it was to stand in front of other people and all of this, like, you know, the big event. It was so lovely, and that's what changing me to my next stage in my life and what I'm thinking about. And you go back to that dream of being a doctor. Yes, and then all of a sudden I thought, okay, why I don't go back again? Because I went to my country, and then you see how much opportunities you have here and how life is good. And then you feel like you want to use all of your time wisely. Uh, you have lots of opportunities here. And then why I don't go back again and achieve my dream? That's where the points were started. So how did people respond when you told them you wanted to start studying again? No one believed, like, you know, it's impossible. Especially with us culturally, if you're married, so it's uh, like, you know, it's hard to have two kids. And then English is your second language. You can't even say one sentence. And still, you wanted to do this. And I want to do this. I was crazy. It's just like, you know, 
Even I don't have lots of support mechanism. There is no antenna. There is no help. I don't have somebody to push me. But then when the people says, no, you can't, look, I say, I want to show them. Can take thousand steps forward. That's amazing, Gofran. And so how did you begin? We moved to Melbourne. I asked my friend to help me, and she said, we have a DC course at the day. And the day after I came in, I enrolled myself in the course, and then I selected all the subjects that's going to help me to achieve this dream. How long were you doing that course? Two years. So I did year 11 and year 12 through the test. I can't believe you how much was difficult because I left the school almost 12 years with have lots of responsibilities. I can see just numbers in front of me. Even the numbers, I forgot them. I don't know how to do them. What a challenge. And you were saying the writing was also tough. Yes. All the stages of your life, that's what I'm doing now for others. I believe God sends you someone to it actually like push you through. So, for example, in the tape stage, till now I appreciated a woman, which is I can remember just her face. I can't remember her name. English was, it was the most difficult things to me. Numbers, I have no problem. I can understand them. I can study them. But with the language, it was so difficult. And there's the clashes in the subject that I'm going to do. There's two classes, one English for people, native people, English first yes. language. And there's a foundation English for people who English their second language to help them improve them. And my science subject is clashes with the foundation English subject. So I have to get the native one. Oh. And to me, was that disaster. Yes, that would be huge. And yes, a huge, like, risk. But then the, the lady, she put her hand in my shoulder when I went to the office. Like, I want to cry. And then she told me, you will be fine. That's the only sentence she told me. And I believed in her. And I said, okay, I will be fine. That's a wonderful story. That is yes. wonderful. And it's interesting how sometimes people don't know how they affect other people just by saying those kind words. I don't know her name. I wish I know her name. Maybe she'll hear this interview. Yes, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you, you pass all your courses at TAFE, and then you decided you're going to go to university. How did you do that? Okay, so now the next difficulties, because... In 2009, when I completed year 11 and 12, 2008, 2009, I applied for biomedicine course because that's what I wanted to do to reach my dream of being a doctor. But that time, my ATA was below 50, and none of the universities accepted me. Yeah, that's right. They wouldn't. Below 50. So, and then, all of a sudden, I received a letter from Foundation Studies course from Victoria Universities, and this course is, is a pathway to help you to go to the other courses. For example, if you want to do engineering, if you want to do biomedicine, if you to be a common teacher, and so on. I was lucky, so I accepted the offer, and I started this course. Fantastic. Before I retired, I was a university lecturer, and I know that many of the students who come from the foundation courses are the most enthusiastic students, and they work the hardest. These are the most disadvantaged people, and they have all of the potential. Absolutely. 
So you went on then to do a PhD, obviously, so you succeeded in your university studies. What are you doing now? For many years, I was teaching students and helping, so lecturers at the university and helping biomedicine students. Currently, I am with the student support area to help individual students who have similar stories to me or who need help with a specific subject. And also, I am working with the research institute in a project to develop something as a bioactive packaging material to minimize the packaging waste. Yes, and what university are you in that research project with? I'm with the Victoria University. Dr. Gofran Al-Nasiri talking about her work with Victoria University. And we'll hear more from Gofran right after these messages. From every corner of the land, womankind arise! Women on the Line, a current affairs program devoted to women's voices, covering a diversity of women's interests and hearing women's perspectives on current affairs. Militantly, never you fear! Erosion of human rights leads directly and inevitably to erosion of human security. We do not accept the denial of our rights because the right to have a say over our country is our life. Women on the Line. Tune in on Mondays at 8.30am and Wednesdays at 6am on 3CR Community Radio 855am and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Coming up at the Nightcap, Better Late, running till 3am every Friday and Saturday, featuring the best local and international bands and DJs, including Zeitgeist Freedom Energy Exchange, Gypsy Brown with Tando, Spasta with Adriana and Odd Mob, Domingo Latino Sundays with La Influencia and Calle Luna. Upcoming shows including Art vs. Science, ModCon, I Know Leopard and more. For info and tickets, head to thenightcat.com.au. A 3CR supporter. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, Melbourne's Voice of Dissent. 3CR Community Radio, 855 on the AM dial, streaming live at 3cr.org.au or on 3CR Digital in Melbourne. You are on 3CR. The show is Communication Mixed Down, and my guest is Dr. Gofran Al-Nasiri, whose story is one of over 20 featured in the new book, Seeking Asylum, Our Stories, published by the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre and Black Ink Books. As I was reading Gofran's story, I could tell that she has a strong interest in social justice, the importance for caring for others, and giving people a chance. I asked her about that. Yes. So if we go back again to my story, if Victoria University, the Foundation for the Discourse, not open and not give me this opportunity. I will be the depressed mom who's sitting at home, who mentally affected and doing nothing. So by giving me this opportunity, it's actually not just helped me. I become good, good mom, a role model for others. 
I'm helping and supporting others. So justice is very important. I've been, for example, rejected once in to get, for example, scholarship. There's always other judgment. It's not by the person or who is what their potential by other things. And from that time, I said, okay, I want to have the power. I want to change the world in a positive direction. So that's one of the purpose I, I have it at the moment. Related to that, you also have a strong belief in the importance of education. Can you say more about that? We have been taught that education, we do it because it's important because of the prestigious things. So we have to do it. Or, for example, because financially uh, you will be independent when you, you graduate. However, I know now education is more important, more than these two things. Education is empower the, the person. Uh, education builds um, a strong person. You can change the world. You can change people's lives. That's how I view education, and that's why I feel it's important. So I'm thinking, given your own experience, what would you say to the Australian government and the way it treats refugees at the moment? I believe we have to give opportunity and chance for people. We have to provide the strong sense of belonging. We have to care of them. People with a disadvantage, they have capability to change the world in a good way because we struggle, we suffer, we have appreciation and gratitude to what we have. And the government it should be, be helping people because we don't know the backstory of them and what's going on, what's happened to me in my childhood, what's happened to me in a, in a refugee camp. From a chemical science background, we say we have a potential energy and then we have a connecting energy. So the potential energy, any energy source, so any object, anything around us, it has a potential energy. And then we have to get this potential energy and convert it to kinetic energy. So, and these people, they are the key, the disadvantaged people, the ones who have a passion, the one who wants someone to believe in them. You know, the lady when she put her hand in my, in my shoulder and she said, you will be okay. Someone putting their hand on your shoulder and saying, you'll be okay. Such a small gesture that made such a big impact on Gofran. Dr. Gofran Al-Nasiri completed her PhD in science in 2019, and now she conducts research and lectures at Victoria University, training biomedical students. She also does a lot of volunteer work to support students. As she says in Seeking Asylum, our stories, my story could be someone else's story, if they are welcome to this country and given opportunities, and their potential is recognized. And, of course, there are many other stories. And in some stories, people are still waiting to receive visas, are still waiting to be able to study in Australia. And, of course, education was so important for Gofran. And to be denied it, well, a kind of cruelty that one wouldn't really expect in a country like Australia, but still goes on. And there's so much more in Seeking Asylum, Our Stories. There's also a section entitled Understanding the Injustices by Julian Burnside, QC, with Jana Favero, who works on advocacy and campaigns at the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre. So lots of great reading. 
100% of the proceeds from Seeking Asylum Our Stories will be reinvested by the Asylum Seekers Resource Centre to fund projects that build people's capacity to tell their story in their own way and provide opportunities to amplify their voices. Black Ink produced the book Pro Bono. So what a fantastic project, and congratulations to them too. And Seeking Asylum, Our Stories is available at bookshops all over Melbourne. Ask for it, it won't be hard to find. We're coming up to the end of the show today. I really want to thank Gofran. It was such a lovely conversation that we had last um, Wednesday. I'm Judith Peppard, and this has been my last show for Communication Mixdown for 2021. Wishing you wonderful holiday break. If you're working, as many people will be, also that your work goes well. It's been great to have you with us here on 3CR, and I'm going out with Starlight by Alawari woman Leah Flanagan from her 2020 album, Color by Number. Here's Starlight.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.